You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today we're very excited to have a special guest speaker with us. Now let's prepare our hearts as our special guest brings forth God's truth from His Word today. Well, here's this old preacher with his old Bible. I've had this a long time. Only reason it's held together, it's a loose leaf. I don't, I don't even know if you can buy them anymore. But I have so many good notes and lines and circles and underlining and coloring, I just can't get rid of it. Amen. I could afford tons of Bibles, but this is the one I use. I mentioned, <clears throat> oh, by the way, thank you for praying for me. Um, my back is much better, praise the Lord. I've added some more calcium, and that gives some density to the bone, which was lacking. So I thank the Lord for that, and I don't near, take nearly as many pills as, as I used to. I preached along this line at the medical care facility over a year ago. Brother Mike was there. But I want to align it with ourselves tonight. Most of you, if not all of you, are already saved. But all of us have the responsibility and the privilege of sharing the gospel with others. We could pack this place out if we were faithful in giving the word under the power of the Spirit of God and souls would be saved. So here tonight, I hope you will forget about the messenger. I may make some mistakes, but God's word never makes a mistake. Praise God. And so if you'll do that, I'll appreciate it very much. We have a responsibility and a privilege to lead others to Christ and salvation. God says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The word go there is in a sense in the Greek, which means going. If we just use the word as it's given there in the Bible, we say, well, go, and I'm not called to go to Africa or any place else. Am I loud enough? Yes. Okay, thank you. But the word really means going into all the world, and we are going, are we not? More so than ever before. In our cars and planes, going to school, going to work, going to friend's house, going to wherever. As we're going, God says, or wherever we're going, or whenever we're going, or however we're going, be ready to share the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Some do it by expanding a little bit on John 3.16. That's good. I've done that myself. Others use the Romans Road. How many have ever used it? Okay. Romans 3.23, I came across quite a while ago another passage that seemed to flow so easily 
into leading someone to know Christ as their personal Savior. It's in Romans chapter 2. If you want to turn there, please. Romans chapter 2. If you have a pen or a pencil, just circle the number of the verses, these four, all right? Verse 2, Romans chapter 2, verse 2, circle number 5, or if you're writing a note, just put it down, circle number 6, circle number 16, we'll be dealing with those four. By quoting from Genesis 18, God says, as Abraham was speaking to God, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the answer expected is, of course he will. If any creature in all the world, any person in all the world ever preaches the truth and judges according to the truth, it's God himself. Over in chapter 1, just as a lead-in to chapter 2, um, it's a sorry chapter. But as I was reading it today, I thought, how much of a picture of the world today, and in particular, America today, we have here. We have verse 20. For the invisible things from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. People, take a look at the heavens. More and more technology is simply bringing back, look how marvelous is the creation God has made. And so he's saying to them there, take a look, see what's there. At least believe there's a God who created it, who keeps it in motion, keeps the stars from bumping into each other. Praise God for that. And if they do not at least believe there's a God, they are without excuse. But then he goes on to the rest of the chapter there the resistance they have to God. Verse 28, even though these are all evidences of the mightiness and the wisdom of God, they don't like it. They're blinded to what God has placed so evidently there in the heavens. Verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, we want to live our lives our own way. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient or fitting. Earlier he said God gave them up. Earlier in that he gave them over to reprobate minds. And some of the things that are being taken place, and by the way, they were taking place back when Paul wrote the book of Romans. Those who have gone over and looked at that and some of the relics they say sexual sin was just absolutely rampant in the Greek and Roman world. So we read on after 28. 
being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable or stubborn, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God really in the back of their minds, if they're really honest, they had the idea, going to answer for this someday, judgment is coming. So they get involved in so many things so they can just forget all about it. Forget all about it. Who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. I don't have a... Uh, what's the picture thing? Facebook. Don't have one. Never intend to. Thank you. Have a hard time pulling that up. But oh, how many sin. Pastor has said a couple of times, the greatest reason for divorce today is pornography. Pornography. And so the world is destined for judgment all around. Verse 2, or chapter 1, verse 2. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whoever's reading this, whoever thou art that judgest, for when thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. They will say, well, that list of terrible sins over there, that's not me. I'm better than that. And God says, who made you a judge? Who's the judge of all the earth? God is judge of all the earth. And as Genesis tells us, out of the lips of Abraham, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And surely he will. And in chapter 2, we have four standards by which God will judge the unsaved, judge mankind. Verse 2, we are sure that the judgment of God, the righteous judge, is according to what? Truth against them that commit such things. Who made you a judge? You'll be judged by the judgment you have given. According to the truth. We wonder today who is telling the truth. The same as Pilate said back there when he had Jesus in the courtroom before him. The reports came from all sides and Pilate said, what is truth? we say that today as well. So much lying in the world. Someone has said, 
The easiest thing to do in the world today is to lie. Some have said you can't live in this world today without lying. But God said you're going to be judged according to the truth of the precious word of God. What is the truth? Can we get it from the news media, from politicians, from friends, even relatives, circulating stories about people and things like that? By the time it goes through the grapevine, comes back to us, it's entirely different than what we heard in the first place. Are we truthful? At tax time that's coming up, Are we truthful when we get a tight situation and the easy way out seems to be not to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth? And then we remember, of course, that the Bible says, thy word is truth. The Bible contains the concepts and principles by which God wants us to live. And we will be judged according to the word. So we better read it. We better obey it. We better be here where it is preached. The truth about creation is there in the early part of the Bible. The Ten Commandments are there. They are the truth. We can't say, well, that's in the Old Testament. That belongs there. They are repeated in the New Testament. It's still from God. And then John 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I am the, say it with me, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. So we judged according to our relationship with the word of God, which is written truth, and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the living truth. God will judge our relationship with Jesus Christ as well. And in relationship to what he taught. If you'll turn over to, to Matthew chapter 5, just to look at a couple things he taught. Matthew chapter 5. The well-known Sermon on the Mount. Among other things he said... Do unto others as you would that they do unto you. Chapter 5 and verse 38 and 39. You have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whatsoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue you in the at law, take away your coat, give him your cloak also. Uh, verse 43. Ye have heard it shall be, has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them and curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you. Chapter 6 and verse 19. Still in the Sermon on the Mount. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. 
but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust does corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. 7-1, judge not that you be not judged. It's all truth from the lips of our Lord Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life. And so God, the judge of all the earth, will do right. Will not be judged according to rumors or stories circulated by friends or by foes, but according to the word and according to the living word, the Lord Jesus Christ and his life and his teaching. That's number one. Number two is in verse five, Romans chapter two again. This is how God's gonna judge, first of all, according to truth. Now, but after the hardness of thy impenitent heart, treasurest up to thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteousness of righteous judgment. Now the word after there um, is the same word as the other that are also translated according to. Same Greek word, kata. After, we should say, or according to the hardness of your heart, we're to be judged by the hardness of our heart. Back when I was much younger than I am now, we had a lady in the church in Flint who had a bakery. And there in the middle of the window out front was always a beautiful cake, all decorated and beautiful, but it was there for day after day after day and week after week until she finally let us in on what happened. He said, that's only the frost. She said, that's only the frosting. Underneath is a piece of styrofoam. God's judgment will be according to the heart. According to the truth, yes, we're guilty. According to the heart, yes, as God is going to do it. God who promises to do that which is right will judge according to the heart of the matter. Chapter, um, uh, well, I'll, I'll, we won't have to turn there. Chapter 5, verse 21. God says there, hatred of a brother is equivalent to murder. It's 27, 28 in verses there, lust is equivalent to adultery in the heart. We may gloss it over, we may hide it from everyone, but gee, God, God sees it and will judge it. The judge of all the earth will do right. Proverbs tells us even the thought of foolishness is sin. And by the way, sin in its root meaning really means to miss the mark. Some people like the ones in chapter 1 of Romans miss it by a long ways. But some not so far. But what's the difference if you miss the mark? I remember 
taking rifle practice when I was in the Navy in World War II. And they were given a rifle. And sometimes the first shots were way off part target and we adjusted the sights and things of that kind. Shot again, still missed the target. Much closer, but still missed the target. So we have all gradations of, of sin. Some miss it by a long ways, some by little, but God says every sin will be judged before God. So God will strip away the veneer that we place on our life and our actions and the glaze and deal with the heart of the matter. In some cases, that might be making us happy, but most of the time, we'll not be very sad, satisfied with that. So God will judge according to the truth. God will judge according to the heart, sees the down deep parts of the heart, the thoughts and the intents of the heart, God says, are always evil. But then he says, the third one is, according to the deed, verse 6, who will render to every man according to his deeds. Luke 21 talks about the rich man, the rich people who came to the temple, and having a lot of money, they, they often exchanged it for smaller coins so they could dribble them into the receptacle so everybody could hear and see how much they were giving. But remember there came a poor widow there, and she was so embarrassed, she had so little to give, only two pence, a pence is one-eighth of a cent, and Jesus saw her. In fact, it says she threw it in. At whatever distance she could get, she didn't want to be there with all the rest of the crowd. She threw it in. But Jesus noticed it. And he said, she has put in more than all the rest. Out of the heart of love for God, she was putting in her very living. Her very living. James tells us, and this one catches so often each of us, including myself, to know to do good and doeth it not, it is what? Sin. We miss the mark. So whether sins of commission, we do that which we should not do, or sins of omission, we don't do that which we should do, we're all sinners. So we look at the coming time for us. We're not sure we want to be that kind of judgment. We really already know some situations where the truth was not known, where our heart wasn't right, and where the deed was a sham. We're also sure, as I'm becoming more and more aware, that God knows far more than we do. We can't remember it all. We can't recognize so many things as sin, but God does. So, if the truth, the heart, and the deed are the only standards of judgment, then that's bad news. 
Judgment is coming. We're guilty before God in act and word and thought. So if that's the only thing we have there, it's bad news. And we're not happy about meeting God. But remember I said there were four. We'll be judged according to the truth, according to the heart, the secret places of the heart, according to the deeds. But the fourth was in verse 16. In the day when God, the righteous judge, shall judge the secrets of men according to what? My gospel. What's the basic meaning of gospel? Good news. All right, have we had enough bad news? Guilty because we haven't lived according to the truth, the word of God and the son of God. We haven't lived according to the heart before God who sees the very intents and thoughts of the heart. Guilty because of the deeds of commission of sin and the omission of what we should do, which God calls sin yet. Good news. Now, I've been aware recently of many well-meaning attempts to give the gospel. And I must admit, in times past, I have used some of these myself. Invite Jesus to come into your heart. Is that the gospel? Give your heart to Jesus. Come to know Jesus as your Savior. Turn your life over to Jesus and you'll be saved. Accept Jesus as your Savior. And this one I've heard more recently. Establish a relationship with Jesus Christ. What in the world does that mean? (laughs) Now, I have used some of these as I said. And there's a certain amount of truth perhaps in all of them. For example, invite Jesus to come into your heart. When we are genuinely saved, he does, not because we invited him. And I kept thinking about these several things. I don't recall a place in the Bible where they are ever mentioned as a way to avoid the judgment of God. So I believe that Satan in these days has kind of hoodwinked us into giving shades of truth without hitting the bullseye of the real essential item for salvation. I listen to a TV preacher and I listen to them quite often. I'm selective. I like the ones who preach the gospel And this particular preacher had often before given the true gospel of Jesus Christ. But on this occasion, he prefaced his remarks and said, I'm going to preach on giving salvation, taking salvation for yourself. The whole hour explaining so-called the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I prayed for him during that hour. He would get the, the gospel correct. 
And not once in that time did I hear Christ died for our sins. And that's in verse 16. In the day that Jesus shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to the gospel. The good news that he died for our sins. According to the scriptures. According to the typology given to us in the Old Testament. Talk about bloody religion. Boy, they had it back there. Lamb after lamb and goat and bull and all the rest that it brought in compensation for their sin. Only to have to do it over again and over again. Especially on the Day of Atonement. Every year. Confessing their sin over again, over again. But Jesus did not take care of sin that way. Once for all is what he did for us. And he was buried. And he rose again. Oh, by the way, this is in 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. You might turn there, please. Moreover, brethren, Paul says, I declare to you the gospel, the good news, which I preach to you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless I have, you have believed in vain. For I delivered to you now the gospel, how that I, what I received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. And that he was buried, and that he rose again from the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen. According to the record of the Bible, he was seen of hundreds of people. And he challenged them, go find somebody. They're still living, some of them. Check up on them. Did they see the Lord Jesus in person after his resurrection? And the answer, of course, yes, they did. So that's the true living gospel. It isn't inviting Jesus into your heart or giving your heart to Jesus though they may be involved, come to know Jesus as your Savior, or establish a relationship with him. It's simply saying, I believe that Jesus died for my miserable sin. I grew up in a church where the gospel was preached. I always thank God for Pastor Katie, And he gave an invitation for salvation very, very often, like Pastor does. And I sat there many, many times. I I had believed everything Pastor preached out of the Word. Well, I've never made that public. And whenever you give an invitation, invitation, I think I've told you this before, I actually hurt in my chest. Painful, but I wouldn't yield to making that decision. And then one day, 
in vacation Bible school when I was 15. Mrs. Johnson was our teacher. I think she had already taught two days, and at that time, vacation Bible school was carried on for two weeks. And before the lesson that day, she asked if anybody would like to receive Christ as their personal Savior. And I stood, and a couple others, and orally before that crowd of teenagers, I said, I believe that Jesus Christ, God's perfect son, died for my sin. And I've never been bothered by an invitation since. Never since. So when we give the word, let's be sure we give it accurately so people are not mistaken about this whole thing. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. When Jesus said on the cross, the last words he pronounced was, it is finished with a loud voice. The Greek word there is often used in in uh, antiquities that archaeologists have found, it's tetelestai. And they have found documents and bills of sale that were stamped with that word. It is finished, or perhaps literally, paid in full. Jesus paid it all for me and for you. And we need to be careful that we accurately give the invitation to people to trust Christ as our personal Savior. Do you believe that Jesus died? Perfect Jesus Christ, God the Son, gave his life. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, his unique Son, Absolutely perfect. The whosoever what? Believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. While I was pastor at Vandercook, we had a family who were rather regular in being there in worship and service, but who had a son who was not all that faithful. Come occasionally, somehow he became a possessor of a firearm, a pistol. And one night while I was on vacation in northern Michigan, I got the report that he had taken his pistol and shot a man to death in Vandercook Lake Park. Bad news. He was apprehended, brought to trial, went through the whole trial. The judgment was he was guilty. Bad news. But somehow, before he was sentenced, 
the judge discovered some incorrectness in the procedures of the trial. And as sometimes has happened, he threw out the case against him. Now, temporarily, that was good news for him. But of course, they had another trial, and he was convicted and sentenced and served. But Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross for our sins, for my sins, and he said, it is finished. It's paid in full. God was so pleased with what he had done that he raised him again from the dead. And he said, he throws out the case against those who trust him. Not temporarily, not to be tried over again. Once for all, paid for my sin and yours. So I've shared this with you because most of us here are saved, but God has given us a responsibility and the privilege of leading others to know the Lord as their Savior. Let's do it well. Let's do it accurately. Let's do it boldly. If you turn to Ephesians, please, in chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 18, <clears throat> he's been instructing the Ephesians, the Christians who were there. He said, oh, be praying, verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for what? For all saints. Well, I turn the page for the next verse, he said, and for me. I thought Paul was the most bold man in giving the gospel in all the world. But he said, oh, I need boldness to minister the word of God, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly. Verse 26, that therein I may speak boldly. I, for one, would ask of you that you would pray for me. I may speak the word of truth boldly. And let's covenant together to pray that God will make each of us bold in our ministry of the word. It's not receive Christ as your savior. It's not asking Christ to come into your heart. It's believing down deep in your heart Christ, God's perfect son, died for our miserable sin. And God was so in approval of that that he raised him from the dead and one day he will judge. And we will no longer be judged for sin because it's all covered by the blood of Christ. Perhaps God has spoken here. Maybe somebody here today 
you're really not sure, like I wasn't for several years about salvation. As we open the altar for your coming, come and tell God you really believe that Jesus Christ died for your sin. Perfect death, so that we might have a perfect forgiveness from God. Those of us here who know Christ as Savior, maybe you would join me at the altar and ask God for boldness to minister the truth of the Word of God. We'll be judged according to the truth. We're guilty, bad news. Judged according to the heart, things God sees that we like to gloss over. Judged according to the to the works, both the things we do and the things we should do and don't do, but praise God for the fourth one, judged according to the gospel, the good news, Christ died so we can be forgiven of all of our sins. Why don't you come, let's stand together and bow our heads. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.